Hello, Sci-Fi Gangsters. This is the show where we talk about video games uh, and comic books, but really it's just an excuse for me to catch up with my friends and to meet interesting people. And let me tell you, I have some interesting people here today, super excited about this uh, and honored to have the guests uh, here today. But today's topic is we are going to talk about uh, teaching comic book studies classes. Maybe we're talking about you know comic book studies. Maybe you're, you're like me, you teach more uh, adaptation, comic book adaptation is what I what I typically teach. Maybe you're more like a fandom person. You teach comic book fandom. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the classes that uh, we uh, we we've we've taught and the lessons we learned along the way. Uh, by the way, I'm Anthony Nar, media scholar and person who just loves talking about pedagogy. I just cannot get enough ta uh, uh, talking about that. Uh, but let's get to the guests because we have some impressive people here today. Let's start off with we'll go with uh, Dr. Anna Papard who is a professor at Brock University and the author of Super Sex, Sexuality, uh, Fantasy, and the Superhero. Anna, how you doing? I'm doing okay, doing okay. Hanging in there, as I always say. Yeah, we are, uh, many people are, are starting the semester, right? we're getting ready, we're, we're finalizing our syllabus, so, you know, we're, we're getting emails from students and uh, kind of a, a crazy hectic time for everybody. Do you feel like that's the, the same for you? I'm not teaching this fall, but I am hectically working on a grant application and trying to get summer term marking done. So no matter what you do, you're always in that thing that so many of us are in in adult academia of like this week. I'm going to get a hold of things and then next week, next week is going to be great. And then next week happens and you realize all that stuff that you didn't have time to get to three weeks ago, you still have to do. And it's just thing after thing, always, always. But I'm not complaining. I get to write and teach about comic books for a living. Not complaining. Promise, promise. Well, fantastic. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you on here today. Uh, moving on to our next guest, uh, Dr. Christina Nope, who's an associate professor in the Communication Media Studies program at the University of New York at Cortland, and the author of The Comics Art of War, A Critical Study of Military Cartoons. Uh, Christy, how are you doing? Not too bad. I am in that pre-semester chaos, more so this year, because we are switching over to a new learning management system, and I'm one of the pilot faculty for the switchover and not all the functions are working yet. And so mass chaos with classes starting in two weeks. We all, but we all thrive in the chaos, right? That's all why we got into academia, because we love it. We secretly love it because we're weird, uh, sick individuals. Anyways, uh, so uh, moving on to, yeah, yeah I, I guess so. Yeah, you kind of have to. And that's also what I tell my wife. She's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, so, I don't know. There's something wrong with me. But um, moving on to our final guest here today, uh, Dr. Calervo Cenervo. Oh my God, you did it! <laughs> but but I struggled. So I could struggle to get through it. No, you got uh, it. It's aces. It's better than my parents do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, of course, is a media scholar focusing on comic books and fandom, uh, that sort of thing, and who is currently hiding behind a brick wall uh, a random brick wall that he found uh, to, to be on this show, but definitely good to have you. Thanks. All right, well, fantastic. Well, our topic for today is we're just gonna have a conversation. It doesn't have to be anything formal. We're gonna just talk about our experiences teaching comic book studies classes and the things we learn, our favorite 
uh, course material, that sort of thing. So we'll divide it into three parts. We'll say, uh, what do you like to, who do you like to assign, right? What are the, the readings, the literature that you like to assign your students and, and why, right? So we, we could talk a little bit about that. Maybe we'll learn from each other and we'll kind of, you know, take everybody's advice. Uh, the, the second topic we could talk about our, our favorite types of assignments. Like, is there a creative assignment that you like to assign students? We could talk about that. And then the third thing is just, you know, things that we've learned uh, through our time uh, being teachers, teaching comic book studies, right? That, that will be our three main topics because it's the rule of threes. You got to have three. You can't just have two topics. You got to have three, right? So the, the rule of threes there. But we'll go ahead and begin uh, with Anna. Anna. Uh, what's uh, who? Who do you like to assign? I'm gonna answer that, but I was like, we should also talk about our failures because <laughs> I have some good stories about what hasn't worked for me. Also, um, but but yeah, I, I I feel like the question of like what do you like to assign and what really works is unfortunately different because I love teaching Golden Age and Silver Age comics, and most of my students hate them. Um, so, you know, that's always fun when I go and give my super passionate lectures about like 1940s Wonder Woman comics and everybody comes away confused. Although, to be fair, that's kind of an appropriate reaction to encountering 1940s Wonder Woman for the first time. But in terms of stuff that really works that I would like recommend, you know, there's a few things that you always go back to, like teaching G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfano's Ms. Marvel, always a hit, works really well. And actually one of the other more sort of left field things that I've taught because I teach comics and I teach superheroes as well. I teach lots of things, but in terms of sort of stuff I've taught recently is that I've had really great luck teaching um, the TV show from the nineties, Lois and Clark, New Adventures of Superman, which is a favorite of mine from my youth that I've written about academically and teaching the pilot of that show highly recommended there is so much going on in terms of gender in terms of reorienting superhero narratives around female gazes in terms of centering lois in the narrative like it, op it, op it opens with lois lane and drag and it kind of goes from there there's a sequence in which clark is like trying on different costumes to the tune of the drag hit holding out for a hero just a lot of sexuality and gender stuff to talk about in it and really great conversations that you can have with sort of um, history of that show too, in terms of sort of like the new male sensitivity of the 1990s, which is something that a lot of students who are sort of 19 now don't really know about. And it really kind of opens their minds to kind of this cultural moment that they don't really know. And I've had some really interesting conversations about that, definitely. Oh, the other thing that never works when I teach it is that I love teaching 60s Batman and, <laughs> Some students like it, but for the most part, they are confused, and it makes me—it makes me deeply sad in my heart because I love it so much, and and yet, I, I can't quite impress upon them the camp genius of '60s Batman. I have not succeeded yet, but maybe next time. Maybe next time. I'm gonna keep trying. Fantastic, uh, Cal. If may, I may call you Cal, I don't know if that's a nickname that you go by. Yeah, sure. uh, but, but, but uh, Cal, I feel like you had something to say, something I don't yeah, know. There's the, the pilot of Lois and Clark is like indelibly etched in my mind as like a perfect, like uh, uh, sort of symbolic encapsulation of what that character was um, post, post like death of Superman for like the whole rest of the 90s. And the three moments are 
the holding out for a hero wardrobe montage, Lex Luthor staring down a cobra while he smokes a cigar, which is super like, there's so much Freudian imagery going on in that one moment of like, like for, for anybody who's not aware, there's just a scene in that pilot episode that it's just built to show you that Lex Luthor is to be feared where he has, he's lying on, he's lying on like a, like a bearskin rug or something, smoking a cigar in front of a fireplace and a King Cobra comes into the room and he stares it down and it escapes. And it turns out that he just had his, his manservant release that Cobra into the, the room to test his metal. Um, and then the third moment is Lois uh, 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 eating ice cream while watching soap operas, which was like this giant signification of like the demographic they were moving towards. I just, it's so rare that I get a chance to talk about the pilot episode of Lewis and Clark, which is like a wonderland of content. Well, fantastic. You know, one of the challenges that I often have when I'm, you know, creating my syllabus is there are so many shows and movies that we could focus on. It's like, oh, I could talk about, I could talk about this, I could talk about this. And you really have to narrow it down. And you, I always feel like I'm, you know, I'm missing something by narrowing it down. So, um, you know, some of the shows that I, so The Watchmen is one, uh, the, the television series on HBO is, is one that I uh, f- focus uh, primarily in the beginning of the semester. It was filmed in Atlanta. So teaching it in Atlanta is kind of interesting. Uh, but also I think The Watchmen is such a great series to have conversations about uh, race and trauma and what vigilante justice really kind of is in the history of vigilante justice in the United States. And you can really have those, those conversations and put other, you know, superhero narratives in, in this more, I don't want to say historically accurate, but you can have sort of these more serious conversations with the Watchmen. So I definitely like uh, using that one. Very good. Um, uh, and, and Anna, in terms of in terms of scholarship, who do you like to assign uh, for your students to read in terms of uh, academic literature? It's a good question. I always assign um, Peter Coogan's uh, definition of a superhero to like kind of get them started and. <laughs> Oh no, I have mixed reactions to some of that stuff too. I'm curious about what other people find helpful. I mean, I use Scott McCloud, always use Scott McCloud for our comics courses. And, you know, as comic scholars, we've all heard the critiques of Scott McCloud, but the problem is there just hasn't really been something to replace it. And I've yeah. tried various things, but actually I'm curious to hear other people talk about it, about what they've had kind of success with in terms of, because I mean, one of the huge challenges of teaching comics is that for the most part, when you're teaching a course about comics, the students have never taken a comics course before. So it's sort of like you're starting at ground zero in terms of what is a comic? What is some of the terminology that we use to teach comics and all of these things? And I think that's why so many of us end up going back to Scott McCloud because it is such a good starter text for those kind of things. Because I mean, it's so different than if you're teaching like a third year literature course, you don't have to teach students what a sentence is. But if you're teaching comics, you have to teach them fundamental literacies of reading comics. And that is a huge challenge. I mean, the amount that we end up having to cover in a comics course, I mean, it's like you're covering history, you're covering social politics, and you're just covering how to read a comic, which no one has ever talked to them about before. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Christy, do you have anything to add on that? Uh, 
When I've taught comics, I'm coming at it from somewhat of a, a different standpoint because I live in speech and human communication. So we don't, I don't really get the opportunity to teach comics as comics. For me, comics are kind of an entry point to teaching things more centralized to communication and media studies. So the one straight up comics course I did was comics research as a way to understand doing communication research. And so for that, I used uh, The Power of Comics by Duncan and Smith and Critical Approaches to Comics by Smith and Duncan, um, because those both gave that kind of historical approach to understanding what comics are, as well as getting into how to analyze them but I wasn't interested so much in getting the students to analyze just comics, but to learn about research methods in the communication field. So for me, those texts were very useful because we weren't approaching comics as a form of literature, but comics as a form of communication. Yeah, so I do something uh, sort of similar. I have a similar situation, although I'm teaching my comics course in, at a film school. So mine's primarily comic book adaptation. So I might have two lessons on comic aesthetics. I always go over sequential diamondism because I love that. Uh, that's my favorite um, out, of, out of all the comics aesthetics uh, literature uh, because I feel like that's how I read comics as a kid, right? And um, I also, uh, the myth of Superman, which students, they, it can be pretty heady. And I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm going to assign it again this semester. I'm gonna see what, what students, if they get anything out of it. But it, uh, what I like about the myth of Superman is we, we continually return to this idea that superheroes can't die. And the reason why they can't die, according to that argument, is because they're so integrated into our history, our, our, our mythic history. So, um, you know, we could talk about um, Sherlock Holmes, is, is, is the same as Batman, is the same as maybe even you know, to Jesus Christ. It's kind of the, you, we need these figures because we all know these, these characters and they can't die because they have to, they have to live on. And, and, we can, we, and then it allows us to talk about reboots and what that means. Um, but yeah, so it's, those are really the only two. And then I start getting to representation. Uh, I focus uh, about a third of my course is on representation alone, so. Uh, but yeah, Cal, what, what what do you think about that? Um, I think that like, I, I I mean I think that's like a a great approach, especially. Uh, I think all of these are are great approaches. My own is uh, uh more like, I don't know. I try to structure my course around trying to frustrate my students a little bit. <laughs> um, just just like there's the the, I really like starting with the myth of Superman because it's like a great like making it's it's a great like uh introduction to having to to think more deeply and challenge themselves at like a fundamental level about not only what this concept means to them now but also like what it means in like a, a larger socio-historical sense um for me the the theory readings i i always start with mcleod i i start with the first three chapters of mcleod um, a couple of different like introductions and articles like just about images or defining comics. And then when I finish McLeod, because I agree with you, Anna, that that it's like too uh, it's too big of a text and it's it's like too looming over everything else. I always assign um, 
Dylan Hork's uh, uh, inventing comics, which is like a rebuttal to to McLeod and uh, uh, the narrowing of the definition, and goes into a lot of like sort of things that I also believe about because I teach in a literature department, but um, I try to structure it kind of like a comms course, uh, and I I have a lot of feelings about the idea of like forcing genre distinctions. Um, representation for me doesn't come in until much later because I'm much more, I spend the first month just trying to teach them like kind of like comics theory. And then I'm I, after a month of just like me giving them histories and semiotics and uh, uh, conceptual uh, conceits around comics. I'm like, okay, now you're going to get to finally like read a comic and we're going to discuss the content of the comic. And so the, then the first comic I make them read is uh, uh, Jason Shiga's Meanwhile, which is um, a branching narrative comic that is like, ha has no central plot or characters for them to latch onto, which is just, again, I'm trying to frustrate them a little bit. <laughs> like I'm trying to frustrate their expectations. Um, I don't, I don't like assigning things that I want to assign things that I think maybe they haven't read before just because yeah. like because I don't want them knowing more than me it's very selfish like I'm just like no 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 <laughs> I want to I want to be teaching them <laughs> definitely helps with the hipster cred too it's like oh you didn't know about this comic did you yeah for sure for sure <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting too because I'm I'm also in you know, I, I want to diversify the syllabus as well, right? So I want to have, I don't want it just to be DC and Marvel. I want to have comics written by um, marginalized communities, right? So I, I diversified it that way. And because of that, I had to go out and actually read some of these comics. So it actually has sort of opened up my world to uh, various comics. I never read Saga before. So that's not an example, but, but I mean, just like, I, I read Saga through this process as well. Uh, Dodge City is another one that I read. I don't know if you're familiar with Dodge City. Uh, the, the reason why uh, I focus on particular comics is, you know, I, I assign comicsology to my students. So rather than assigning a textbook, I assign comicsology. And because comicsology just doesn't have everything, I have to use comicsology as like, okay, well, they have this, so I'm gonna go with this. Cause I don't, I really don't want my students to have to spend a lot of money in the course. I, I try to want, I want to, that's why, all the films are, I try to find easily accessible streaming platforms. So most students have Netflix, most people have HBO Max, that sort of thing. So, or they have ways of, you know, getting it. Uh, so that's a, that's a primary concern. I wish I could kind of venture out and, and get some more indie comics that may not be on Comixology, but I always feel bad about having students buy something else on top of whatever they're, they're, they're already spending money on. I assigned um, a lot of web comics for that reason. I, I think the idea of the comicsology subscription is like so good. Anything that's published by like, uh, like there's a couple of texts that I always teach that are definitely available on comicsology. And my students would save so much money. They'd pay like, what, 20 bucks for four different books that I would be having them read otherwise. And then also I could assign tons of like supplemental stuff because that's such an issue for me in teaching comics is like wanting to either like like one of the biggest frustrations I have in teaching comics is is copyright right like that 
that uh, uh, I don't want to have to teach a whole volume of a comic. I'd rather teach them like single issues of comics, but then I have to limit myself to things that are like public domain and available for free online. And Comixology would like allow me to, uh, this is not an ad for Comixology. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I was gonna, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't exist anymore. And also, unfortunately, the Comixology subscription model was never available in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we've never yeah. been able to do that. Like I used it, it in the past for my courses, but I had to assign single issues. And yeah, there's no Comixology uh, platform in Canada anymore. Yeah. You have to buy a la carte here, but like, uh, it's still a lot cheaper and you could have them buy individual issues that way and not be tracking things down. I know yeah, Amazon I mean, I've, I've got a, for a while. Yeah, you could like, uh, if you had yeah. an Amazon Prime account, you could get it, but it was weird. I was still getting charged for things. It's yeah. really Sorry. bad right now. It's really bad. If anybody's not aware of that, they can Google it. I've written about that and all the problems and many other people have as well. I lost all the comics that I used to own, never got them back. You never owned them, right? You just had a I license. I never did. That's a whole different mm -hmm. podcast episode about mm -hmm. the digitization of comic books and the comic book marketplace. But no, it's a, it's a serious problem though, because when the merger happened and like it was clear that sort of the usability was way, way worse and it's remained so, it has not improved. Yeah. Um, it's a huge problem for teaching comics because I mean, over the course of my... I've been teaching comics courses in various capacities for about 10 years now. And when I was first teaching them, what we would do is we'd have course packs and you would have to pay Marvel to reproduce like black and white photocopies of Amazing Spider-Man and X-Men in your course pack. And the students would have to pay like 150 bucks for that, which was terrible. You couldn't talk about color. The reproductions were terrible. Like they were photocopies. It was awful. And so like, you know, I don't know, like seven years ago or something, I like convinced the prof to switch over to doing digital comics. And I was like, you know, there was some pushback to that. I was like, it's gonna be so much better though. And it was so much better. It's cheaper. We could talk about them in color and everything. And now that that merger has happened Comicsology really isn't accessible in the way that it used to be, and it's not accessible to read um, in the way that it used to be. They're having a lot of trouble with, um, they don't really have the same guided reader anymore. You can't like read things as comics anymore. So it's really an issue. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's really upsetting to me as a person who teaches comics because things had moved so much forward and I think they're gonna take a step back now and it's gonna take a step back too in terms of the diversity of stuff we can teach, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And I actually, you know, as someone who was resistant to the idea of reading comics digitally, when I was experimenting with comicsology, when I was using my tablet, I was kind of getting into it a little bit. I, uh, I, I think the idea of having a tablet for me is very important. Because if I did it on my phone, it doesn't feel the same. But when you have a tablet, it's almost like replicating the feeling of actually having a comic and you kind of, and you can zoom in on things. That's the way it was before. You could zoom in on things and everything. And I always, I enjoyed that reading the comic that way. I uh, actually, one of the reasons I teach meanwhile is because it is a, a comic that was like adapt, not only like digitized, but turned into like an app, um, which you can still get on the I, like iOS. Um, and, uh, uh, I encourage the students to get it however, get the book however they want. They can get the text or they can download the app. And then we talk about like the differences in, in materiality. I feel like doing it, if, if I'm gonna, because digital is taking a, a bigger and bigger piece out of the way that we read comics, web comics, Instagram, 
the the memification of comics and the way that they are turned into some of our biggest cultural touchstone. Everybody knows question hounds. This is fine sitting in the burning hell, right? Um, I but but also the dot like predominantly comics are still read in print and still circulated in print. I think it's like incumbent. If I'm if I'm teaching a course about comics, like a comics course, and I want to do a survey of the form, I want I want them to experience both, kind of. I want them to see what it's like, what the interfaces are like. Yeah, definitely, excellent. Uh, why don't we go ahead and get to our, our second topic, uh, Christy? Did you have anything to add? All right, we'll go, we'll go ahead and get to our next um, uh, topic. Here is uh, what's your favorite assignments to uh, to assign to your students? Do you have any creative? Uh, so. I've taught uh, this, this comic book adaptation class before, and I took a lot of feedback from my students going every, after every semester, I say, hey, look, what did you like and what did you not like? And everyone told me they hated the group project because every semester I have a group project at the end where they, create, where they pick a theme and they create a, a video on that theme where they're discussing some sort of uh, thing that we've talked about in the, in the semester, and they hated it. So now I am trying to do individual video essays. Uh, this was, so rather than them collaborating on something, which they were pretty much doing by themselves and just editing it all together anyways, I just thought to myself, why don't I just have them doing a video essay? And the reason why I choose a video essay rather than a paper is because, and this is completely selfish, I hate grading papers. <laughs> so, so I would much rather grade a video essay so that's what, so I'm trying that uh, this semester. We'll see how that goes. I'm also trying uh, having them uh, create their own comic. And this is going to be a sort of, it's not going to be heavily graded. Uh, I'm hoping that it'll be a fun process. I'm leaving it open-ended. So if they want to create it digitally using Photoshop, or if they actually want to hand draw it, whatever they want to do, and then we'll bring it in and we'll kind of, they'll, they'll share with their peers. So those are my two major new assignments that I'm trying this semester and we'll see how they go. But I'm just interested to hear what everybody else uh, has, what, what kind of assignments. We'll start with, uh, with Christy. Uh, with the one comics course I taught, I did do a create your own comic that was just geared towards getting them to understand the verbal visual combination and the sequential storytelling. Didn't care what the story was. I didn't care how they created the pictures, whether they were photographs, whether they were stick figures. I wasn't concerned with the artistic merit, but that they were working with that verbal visual combination. A couple years ago, I was teaching a course, it's a cross-listed from cinema, uh, Africana studies, and psychology, race and gender stereotypes, and I simply opted that semester to teach it through the lens of the X-Men to get at race and gender stereotypes in film and media, but in a way that was going to create a little distance for the students to really kind of talk about uh, those character types. And for the final, what, well, what ended up being the final project because of the COVID shutdowns, uh, I asked them each to create their own mutant version of themselves to think about how they would depict some aspect of their identity. And they could choose whatever element of the identity they kind of wanted to uh, feature with their mutant 
And that worked really, really well because it got them to engage with issues of representation and you know, they got to sort of do some storytelling and, and deal with some of the fallout from the COVID shutdowns uh, through that exercise as well. And then I took all of their pictures and made a class sort of yearbook of our, uh, you know, Xavier school uh, at the end. So that, that was one that hoping I get to teach it again someday because I liked that assignment. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds like a whole lot of fun. Uh, Cal. Well, what about you? Oh, Cal, you're muted. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say, Christy, that is such a good idea. And then also looking at Anna's face while you explained it. I really, I got to throw it to Anna to react to Christy's assignment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just like, well, one of my greatest failures is like, I've tried to teach, I, I always try to teach X-Men and it's always a disaster. And I love X-Men so much. I've had such terrible experiences teaching it because it's a long form narrative and there are so few stories that you could just teach. Like if I got to teach a whole class on X-Men, I think it'd be so much better, but that is such a good idea for an assignment because I've done the design of superhero assignment before and it just hasn't had enough groundedness, I think. So like I'll do an assignment where, yeah, like they have to use the ideas that we've talked about in the course to design a superhero, you know, talk about their mission, powers, identity, and, and you know, sort of come up with something and write an essay about it and then visualize them as well in whatever way that they would like. And it's just, yeah, I just have struggled with that a little bit because it just hasn't felt grounded enough, but that idea of sort of bringing the personal reflection into it and like thinking about what the mutant power would be, that's such a good variation on that. And I just, I love how you put that and like how it would be contextualized in like sort of the more, the, the specificity of that course. That just, that's such a good idea. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, because it was a cinema course, I was only teaching the X-Men movies. I, I touched on some of the comic book background because I had to in order to talk about how race and gender stereotypes mattered in the X-Men because they knew the movies, but they they didn't really know where it was coming from or why. So we did have to dig into some of the history, but they're really good with the movies. The, the, the comic books, I had one student who would stay after every class to talk the comics with me. Um, but yeah, and I had them I also talk about who they would have play their mutant in a future X-Men movie. So I had them think about those casting decisions as well connected to representation. So. so much fun yeah these all do they all sound like fun i was so worried when i uh, put that assignment into my syllabus i was like is this too childish is this too childish of an assignment but i'm glad to hear we, we can have, we can have fun assignments yeah fun so assignments i i too do uh i i give my students the when i teach comics uh i give my students the option for their final paper for their like 40% of their grade thing that they can do a regular research paper or they can make their own comic. But I don't grade them on the comic. I grade them on a uh, like, like a, a process piece that they have to write as a companion to the comic because I don't think that I'm equipped. Uh, I'm not an art teacher, so I can't be grading them on like you did this well, you did that well. What I want them to do is make the comic and then write about for me the concepts from the course that they tried to put into that comic to demonstrate to me their course comprehension. And they do have to do like external reading for it too and bring in other ideas. And I've been 
so, so, so rewarded by that. I've had students just hand in things that were like absolutely just innovative and pushing the boundaries of the form. I've had students hand in comics uh, that were also light boxes. I've had students hand in comics that are looping comics on a lampshade. Um, so like back projected. I've had students hand in uh, giant uh, like poster boards with uh, 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 like epic narratives on them. And I've had students hand in comics that were like a playable card game. And so there's like, I don't, for that assignment, I don't, I, I say in the syllabus, like I don't grade the comic unless it works in your favor. Because like, there are some students where I'm like, I see the thing they've created and I'm like, it doesn't matter how well they wrote their paper. This is an A assignment. They have changed the game for me. Um, and, and I am going to be emailing them to ask them if I can sh like show off their work in the future. Um, so that's always like really, really rewarding for me. I just want to like pair it with like some academic rigor and something that I feel qualified to also arbitrate because I'm not, I don't, except for like hourly comics day once a year, I don't really make comics. So like, I shouldn't be telling them whether their comic is good or not. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Anna, did you have any other type of creative assignment that you like to assign? No, I don't know. I have some stuff that I've been wanting to try. I mean, I um, the last three years I've been teaching like a super compressed course, like one of those courses that's 12 weeks and five weeks. And that's really limited the kinds of assignments that we could do because I've the one that I really want to do, and I don't know if anybody else has done it, but um, I want to do that assignment that Nick Susanis recommends where, you know, you're breaking down a comics page and just putting in the margins all of the stuff that's happening on the page and just like trying to come up with as many things as possible to talk about and just like laying all of that out there on the page and like tracing pages as well to talk about how comics form works which i haven't got a chance to do either of those things before and i would i'm teaching a comics course in january and i, I want to throw a couple of those things on there um i've done the tracing assignment that's great uh the the only hassle of that is that you have to go out and buy a giant pile of tracing paper to, yeah. to because like you can't expect your students to all have tracing paper at all but I, I i get such good results from it i hear about it from nick Susanis. i heard about it from barbara Postuma, who is like oh, a, yeah. a great comic scholar um and i know that she got it from uh she adapted it from something else but yeah just having the students trace like a single page of a comic and then uh not not in detail but just like frame it out and then give you all of the mechanics that they see at work on the page and all of the like content and like cognitive direction that they see at work. I, it really is a great way to demonstrate um, that they're like understanding the form and they're becoming like literate in, in the, the form, which is to me like what it's all about um, to just get them to be able to pick up any comic and make sense of it. Yeah, I mean, just a shout out to, I mean, the reason I thought of Nick in relation to it is because he's got a whole bunch of examples of that from his classes at Spin, Weave and Cut. Um, his website is Spin, Weave and Cut, and you can find sample syllabi there and a bunch of examples of that exercise if you're interested. Fantastic. Uh, one question I have for everybody here um, before we get to our final topic is, uh, how do you uh, organize your class in terms of, so 
Uh, for me, uh, my class that I teach, we only meet once a week. So it's a two and a half hour class, right? So we do a lot in that two and a half hours. And because of that, because we only meet once a week, I usually assign three things, an academic article, a, a comic, and then the film inspired by the comic. It's a lot for them to, um, to, to have read or to have watched. Uh, when it comes to the comic, I usually say something like, um, here's, the, here's the comic series, just read enough where you can get a feel for it. That's kind of how I, I go with it rather than saying read issues, blank, 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 blank. I say just read enough so you have a really good feel for the aesthetic of the comic. I do want them to watch the film and I definitely want them to read the academic article, although sometimes they're mostly skimming through that, but that's totally fine. As long as we can have a conversation about it, I'm, I'm good. As long as we can get to what we need to get through the class discussion, I'm happy. And I've, I've found that even when you assign a lot of things for them, a lot of content, it still allows for uh, interesting dialogue, even if they don't read the entire thing every week. I'm, I'm just curious how you, how everyone handles that. I guess we'll start, we'll, we'll start with Anna. Um, I'm sure I do. You know, what I've tried to do better at over the years is like assigning less stuff. And it's really hard because when you're teaching a comics class, you are like, if I'm assigning two comics for like, you know, the equivalent of a two hour lecture class, I come from a literature background, right? I was like, that's not enough reading. I mean, like I'm used to mm -hmm. like, I had to read a 300 page book for that class. You know, that's my background, right? But the problem is, and this is a push and pull that I haven't quite figured out is that again, it's sort of a, how do we read comics thing? Because students will have two comics and they won't read them carefully, right? You'll just like, I got through it, right? Because it's easy mm -hmm. to get through a comic. I mean, one of the huge, wonderful things about comics is how accessible they are. And they're accessible in part because you can read them very quickly. But teaching students to slow down is like a real challenge. And what I would love to do, and again, I've sort of been burdened with that hyper-compressed course, but I'd really love to just do something like we're going to spend three weeks on like, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15, you know, the introduction of Spider-Man. We're going to spend three weeks on it. We're going to talk about every single aspect of it. You know, thinking about something like, you know, the How to Read Nancy book where they do, you know, the elements of comics and three easy panels. And they've got a whole huge thick book talking about line work, talking about pacing, talking about character design. I mean, talking about, I mean, there's like 50 something dynamics that they bring up in that book for three panels of like an Ernie Bushmiller Nancy comic. And I'm not sure if I'm up for doing that in like a 12 week course, but at the same time, I would love to do more of that in terms of emphasizing the importance of slowing down as we read comics and sort of emphasizing the subjectiveness of comics reading experiences, the multimodality of comics, because it's really easy for so much of that to get lost when, you know, you can read a comic quickly, so you do. And then by the next week, we've moved on to something else. And then we never get to go back because, you know, you can be like, we had the lecture about it. Maybe now you can go back and think about it more, but no one's going to do that. They're on to the next thing, right? 
So I've been trying as I sort of go along and become more experienced with teachers comics to assign less stuff, but it's still a challenge and I would like to have the freedom to kind of return to stuff in multiple weeks and kind of kind of do that and kind of build on our knowledge of comics form by returning to sort of the same text in multiple weeks would be really, really wonderful, but I'm curious about other people's experiences with that as well. Yeah, we'll go ahead and go with, with Cal. Yeah. Um... So first I, I try to assign like an article every week. Like I want them to read a little bit of like theory uh, uh, every, every week. Um, and I generally do like six or seven books over the course of the semester. And I do something like a week and a half per book. I, I usually teach in two blocks of like 75 minutes. So that's like, pretty easy for me to divide it up. So it's like three classes a book, but I never want us to be talking about the same theme. Uh, like I, it's like a different, I try to pick books where I can tease out three different lessons about what comics are and what comics can do and what you can find in comics from each text that I choose. Some of the texts I choose, it's funny, this thing about like reading fast or reading slow, I find starting, starting off with the expectation that by the time we begin talking about the comic, they will have finished reading the comic is really helpful to get them to go back and like notice things. Cause we're like a week and a half, we're on the third and final class talking about this thing. And then I like direct our attention towards, you know, a few pages that are like in the middle and something going on in the background that plays with form. And that often gets a response where later on they're coming and telling me that they went back and like reread it after that and look look for other things so i don't mind them reading too fast um as long as we get the chance for them to as long as as long as i can direct them to like go back to it and and look at it differently there are some comics that i assign that i want them to read really fast because i don't care about the content you know like one of the books that i love to teach is uh the first volume of miracle man which is uh, uh if objectively not a great comic like but it is it is like it's weird that like a copyright dispute forced it out of the canon when it and like instead everybody talks about like the dark turn of superheroes from like Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns when uh Miracle Man oh sorry my cat is she freaking out she she can't retract her. she's very old and she couldn't retract her claw um oh. And she's fine now, um, but uh, yeah, I I want them to read that really fast because I never once touch on like what happens in the story. I'm just like, let's talk about the fact that this book is credited to like the original author. But the, as far as the way I try to teach each session, I try to, you know, it's an, usually it's an 80 student course, at least 70, 75 students in the class. That's a lot of students, but I still try. It is a lot of students. Yeah, that, that's surprising. That's yeah. a lot of students. Well, it's a survey course, right? It's like 200 level, um, the, the one that I've taught the most. Um, and, and that's that's pretty like usual in Canada too. Like we sort of, our universities are kind of bigger and our classes are bigger because we have fewer. Because like, yeah, yeah my, my last comics course was 150. Yeah, and like comics courses in English departments are hugely popular. So they give them to sexual instructors like mm -hmm. me and Anna and uh, uh, like teach like four sections of them a year. Um, but I, I still try to run it like a seminar. 
And I try to open it up to different kinds of, like I have a participation mark that I'm like, what you want is there's 80 students in this class and you want me to know, like remember your name by the end of the course. And I try to make it so that it doesn't just favor extroverts who like talking in a class. I tell them that they can get their participation grade by emailing me with suggestions for things I could talk about for the next class. And then I'm definitely gonna remember them. So I try to run it more like a conversation where I'm only talking at them for maybe 25 minutes of the 75 minutes. Then we're spending about 50 minutes, well, like, you know, 40 minutes in, in uh, discussion and people putting their hands up and then like 10 minutes of house, housekeeping and stuff. Oh, fantastic. It's only a matter of time. When you're having a conversation with academics, there's only a matter of time before a cat comes <laughs> I do. I do apologize. I'm very sorry. I mean, no, look, it's expected. It's, ex <laughs> it's expected. Uh, having a Zoom conversation with academics, a cat is always going to make an appearance. This is why I wear black, because she'll blend in with it. And hopefully sure. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Christy, what do you think about that? Not about the cat situation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a big fan of the cat. Now, <laughs> um, my semester's alternate so i'll teach on tuesday thursday one semester and monday wednesday friday another semester so there's no like fixed way that i break my classes up because it really depends on what my schedule that term is but when i did the comics as communication research class my general approach was to roughly each week they would do a chapter or an article that introduced them to some history or idea or type or something about comics and then a chapter or an article that introduced them to research that related to the other topic and then also a web comic that helped to illustrate one of those concepts and so that's kind of the way we would move through our semester and then you know, a lot of in-class exercises and as much media as I can always cram in for viewings. Well, well fantastic. Excellent. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to our third topic. And that is, you know, what have we learned? What have we learned uh, teaching a comic studies class or just teaching in general? Right? We can just get what well, you've learned teaching in general. Uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll start off with Anna. Well, what have you learned uh, just in general teaching? I unfortunately suck at teaching X-Men. Um, <laughs> other than that, you know, I'm going to go real new agey with it and say that I have learned um, to be more vulnerable in my teaching. Like the first time I ever taught a comics course, I had a real fear of being up there as a woman teaching this course and having my knowledge challenged and all of these things you know you're a woman you grow up in comic book fandom you've had experiences and I definitely didn't want that to be replicated in the classroom and I had a lot of insecurity about that when I first taught and as the years have gone by I've learned to let a lot of that go partly that's just getting older but it's also becoming a more experienced teacher and um, the last two times that I was teaching comics courses I taught them online and well, it looks like she uh, froze a little bit there. Maybe we'll get her. We'll get her back here in a second. All right. Yeah. So just to kind of piggyback what she was saying. So one thing that I've noticed is um, I tend to get a lot uh, out of students when we have a, that conversation at the end, of, the end of the semester. Like, what did you like about this class? What did you not like about this class? What would you change? And as someone who is, I grew up reading comics. Uh, I'm a big Marvel fan, obviously. 
but um, uh, anime is something I never really got into. And at the end of the semester, all my students were like, why aren't we talking about anime and, and manga? Why aren't we talking about this? And I, and I said to myself, because I don't know anything about it. Uh, but um, so this semester, I've actually included uh, a section on that. So uh, Alita, Alita Battle Angel is what we'll be focusing on uh, for that. So uh, a comic uh, that I have, do not have a lot of experience with. All right, here we go. It looks like we have Anna maybe coming back. Have, I'm sorry, my internet. <laughs> it's totally fine. And then, of course, we have the cat coming back as well. What's the cat's name? Mimosa. Her name is Mimosa. You do not have to move. Did you say Mimosa? Yeah, mimosa. <laughs> you do not have to. You do not have to move mimosa. Mimosa can uh, can can walk on the in front of the camera. Uh, sorry, Anna, we lost you there for a second. Um, uh, it's I guess all good. Just start, you can you can start wherever you felt like. Oh you, you no want. no, it's okay. I was pretty much done anyway. But just like yeah, I don't know. Sort of the importance of being a little bit more available, sort of emotionally, has been you know my new agey teaching tip for people and also assign less stuff definitely always assign less stuff all right well fantastic uh cal what what have you learned what have you uh, learned about yourself this feels like this is like a job interview <laughs> question what is a as a teacher so i don't i mean i i've definitely also learned the same lesson that anna has which is like how rewarding it is to like make yourself available to students and how much that translates into the students doing better and you feeling giving way more job satisfaction as well um but i would say okay so i'll, I'll give i'll give two really quick um i i would say that i have learned that students can always tell when you're dialing it in um there was one time i taught the course and i was just like i really need to be working on my dissertation this semester I'm going to change one of the assignments that kills because, you know, 80 students and I have no TAs and I have to grade all of the oh. papers myself. So like I was like, I'm going to do one assignment that's like pass fail. Um, and I, the students told me on the feedback forms at the end, they were like, this assignment was bullshit. And I could tell it was bullshit. And so I was like, oh, they know when I, I and I knew I knew when I wrote the syllabus that that assignment was was bullshit. Um, but I've also I feel like I've learned a lot about comics from these students. I have loved this form for uh, uh, my, my entire life as I can remember it. I have dedicated so much of my life to it. And there are students that have come in and there are these moments over the course of, of like uh, almost 10 years of teaching where it's just like, they have really changed what I think about the form, you know? Like I was, I love doing this thing at the beginning of the semester where I'm like, what are comics? Let's define comics. And then I keep on like thwarting their definitions when they say like, well, comic has to have this. And I'm like, examples. Um, and, <laughs> and they're like, comic has to have that. And I'm like, counter example. And, and then like at one point I was like, I probably the only thing that we can say universally about comics is they have to happen in a visual field. And one student put their hand up and was like, what about braille comics? And I'm like, braille comics exist? And Braille comics do exist, like few and far between. Mm. But that is like when I love the form of comics and I love things that push at the boundaries of that form. And when students create work that makes me think about a comic I've read dozens of times in a new way, that's the best feeling in the world. And when a student like makes me broaden my idea of what comics can be as a form, as a medium, that's almost better. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm often uh, encouraged with a lot of classroom discussion. I've been, I don't know if it's fortunate that just it's the institution that I teach at, at Georgia State University, uh, but um, uh, we get into some, uh, some very important conversations about representation of race and gender and sexuality, and we get into politics and this sort of thing. And what I have found is that students really get into these conversations, like they're, they're interested in talking about this and it, it, it intrigues them. And then, I mean, I wouldn't say we get into heated debates, but people, you know, there's a there's back and forth going on, and we really get into some interesting conversations. Something now, every once in a while, you'll get a student on the evaluation saying, "Why does he have to make comics political?" Like, <laughs> of course, that happens, of course. Uh, but we we can have very deep, important conversations about our culture, about our history. And, and, it's, and it's expression through comics and the superhero genre. So I'm always very encouraged uh, by that. Uh, Christy. Picking up on sort of the, the comments relevant to comics that both uh, Calervo and you, Anthony, were just saying, the, the one thing that always strikes me, I'm not sure if I've learned it so much, but it just always stands out to me is just how wonderfully comics helps to connect to students and for some of the ones who are otherwise quiet in class and don't say anything they have things to say about comics if if that's their thing the flip side of trying to teach with comics is that for some students it's totally not their thing and it will never be their thing and the those comics uh, presence in class can sort of be an alienating factor for the ones that just really don't like it. But for the students that it connects to, it makes such strong connections, uh, both between the, the me as the teacher and, and forging that interpersonal relationship, but also for them between the content and these comics characters that are so familiar to them when they can make those linkages between these characters and these stories that they know really well and those hard discussions those things that maybe they hadn't thought about before it can be a really powerful moment and in terms of what have i learned about teaching overall is that good teaching involves risk and will automatically always involve some bad teaching along the way because some of those things that you you step out on a limb to try will fail horribly uh at least maybe the first time you know so teaching involves risk and you know it kind of connects to what anna was saying about having to be vulnerable and, and kind of make yourself open you've got to be kind of willing to get those bad evaluations once in a while and uh, to try out new things. Like group projects. I took two semesters in a row. I did a group project at the end of the semester. Both, both semesters, they, they just told me they hated it. They, they, they hated having to collaborate on something, especially at the end of the semester, right? They're already already stressed and they're having to try to get a hold of each other and that sort of thing. So uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm moving away from the group project, right? I always, I always like the idea of collaborating, but they do not like it. Can I make a suggestion to you though? Go for it, Cal. If you're doing a, a make your own comic thing, you should give them the option of teaming up because the vast majority of comics that you teach 
were made by more than one person in collaboration with somebody else. So like you could give them that option and then say like, but you have to do extra work. You have to like write about mm -hmm. the process of like being a, a collaborator on this and how it makes you th reassess some of the other comics we've read in terms of the marriage of like art and writing. That is a fantastic idea. Definitely. Sounds awesome. Uh, before we wrap this up here, does it, is there anything else anybody wants to add? Final words? This was nice. This makes me, uh, this was like a very hopeful and like optimistic conversation about teaching that is like, I really thought that when we were going to do this, that we were just going to like be bitter and, and like, like just, just, for people who teach comics at university talking about like how mountains of grading sucks. But it, this has been like, very, I mean, like what just, it, it makes me want to get back in the classroom. I mean, I I'm just, a, I just literally got a new contract for a feminist comics course like yesterday. So I'm right in the mood to be optimistic. Nice. Fantastic. And uh, I taught online over uh, the summer and I do not like teaching online <laughs> as necessary as it can be sometimes. So I was very excited to see my students the other day. It was just to see everybody. So that was fantastic. Uh, does anyone else want to make a, just do a little bit of flex on what you have in, the, in your background? Anything signed? <laughs> I have a Stan Lee signed comic right there. I don't know if you guys can see that. That's signed by Stan Lee <laughs> over there. there. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Cal's got his brick wall. I mean, I want to highlight this excellent mug that I've been drinking out of, which is vote Democratic, vote Garfield. Well, fantastic. <laughs> excellent. Al for president. <laughs> All, right. All right. So that, that will be our show uh, for today. Let me thank everybody for being here today. We had a fantastic conversation, uh, but that is our show. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Good night. All right, I stopped the recording there. I think I stopped the recording.